Welcome to the Climate Change Winners Podcast. This is your host, Devesh Tilokani, and on this podcast, we explore how entrepreneurship can play a vital role in the climate change space. Can entrepreneurship be the answer or one of the answers to fighting climate change? We're going to find that out by talking to entrepreneurs who are running businesses in the climate change space about their journeys, learnings, failures, tactics, lessons, and much more. So whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur, a current entrepreneur, or are just generally interested in the role that entrepreneurship plays in climate change, this podcast is for you. Thank you so much for listening, and let's get right into it. On this episode of the Climate Change Entrepreneurs Podcast, we speak to Laura Francois, who has been globally empowering startups, nonprofits, and governments to maximize sustainability and use creativity in business as a force for good. Now, Laura is an award-winning social impact strategist with her work has been featured on BBC World News, Forbes, Netflix, TEDx, the Disruptive Design Festival, and Singapore Design Week. She's also the co-founder of The Spaceship, industry mentor to the Bridge Fashion Incubator in Singapore and Fashion for Good Mumbai, and is actively curating a book about art and the climate crisis. Some of the topics that we discuss in this podcast include how to create great narratives and effective storytelling around your climate startup, how to take on a systems thinking lens when fighting climate change or any other problem, for a matter of fact, how art can actually be used as a catalyst in the climate change space. And lastly, which is something that was really, really, really interesting that I loved, was the importance of cross-pollination. That means learning about two different spaces and using the cross-learnings between the two from one to the other. One of my favorite episodes to date, we really kind of go deep into a couple of these different things, like systems thinking lens, storytelling, art, and climate change. Laura is, is incredible, and I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure you're going to love this. And as usual, my only ask is that whatever you do after listening to this, please take some action, any action, but just take some action. That's the main thing. Thank you so much for tuning in. We wouldn't be here without you. We really appreciate you for everything you do. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Laura, for coming on the Climate Change Winners podcast. We really, really appreciate it. I'm super happy to be here. Definitely, definitely, definitely. So before we even start off, we've got a couple of cool things going on. The first thing we want to focus on is Spaceship. Maybe what prompted you to even co-found Spaceship in the first place? Yeah, and Spaceship, every time, it's so funny how many people I've met who are now in like the space industry, but Spaceship has nothing to do with space. Um, but but for some reason, yeah, for, for a very obvious reason. It's connected me to really some awesome space people. Spaceship is all about um, making sure we are able to stay on planet Earth, actually, and 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 build a planet that makes sense that is, you know, within our planetary boundaries. Spaceship was was really kind of came out of a want and a desire after 10, 10 or so years of working in the impact space, both on the government side and the nonprofit side, you know, in CSR how to actually create um, toolkits and learning modules, education for people who want to enter the impact space, but who don't want to start a nonprofit, who don't necessarily want to have to go and study this stuff in school. Um, Because by the way, most stuff that's that's taught in school is not um, necessarily hands-on enough for a lot of the nitty gritty dirty work that happens in this space. So it really came out of this uh, this this need I saw on the market, where you know there are some fantastic either founders, entrepreneurs who want to pivot into this necessary space, um, and, and also individuals who are in the nonprofit space who are just fed up 
you know, fed up from fundraising time and time again, um, having, you know, unsustainable models of creating change. So Spaceship is really a place where we um, just en enable more people to work in this space by teaching and guiding them, um, you know, the strategies you need, the frameworks that help you think through things, and especially the mindset that really can help you guide yourself and guide whatever project business you're building um, so that it scales both financially, but also scales in the type of environmental and social impact that it can have. Um, so that's, that's, that's where Spaceship came about. Amazing. And it kind of brings together the social impact piece, of course, but also the educational aspect. Is that something that you've always been passionate about sort of edu the education space per se? Yeah, I know, you know, I, I always felt I always felt really interested by it, but not from a not from a um, traditional education perspective. I really felt really interested in communications and storytelling. That's always been my my love, and and there's something about education that links up with storytelling really beautifully, especially when we're trying to convey really complex notions, really complex systems. You need you need really great storytelling. You need really great hooks. Um, to have somebody grasp and you know a very a very complicated narrative and the truth about most of the sustainable development goals that we have is that they're complex and they're interlinked and they're dependent on each other and it's kind of a scenario where you un you know you 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 look under one rock and it's going to show you a bunch of stuff that you might not have been expecting that overcomplicates what you thought was maybe simple and so what's really needed in this space is really great narratives and. I think that's where education in a very, you know, a non-formal sense entered my life. Um, so yeah, I, I think, I think that's, that's what excites me the most about the space. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like in the end that I think something that some people sometimes get a little wrong, maybe in the space, not wrong, but, but maybe they don't grasp as much is that in the social impact or non-for-profit space per se, like your mission is more than enough, but you just, so you don't have to focus as much on the narrative and the storytelling and on the basic like branding guidelines or mm. marketing stuff. How important do you think that was for Spaceship or just generally for any organization that's that's like or any foreign founders listening to this right now, you know, focusing on that narrative and that storytelling? You're no matter what you're focusing on, um, it it will have a social mission, even if you don't think it does. It does. It might be if it, if you don't think it does, it's probably because you, it might have a negative. You might actually have <laughs> a negative impact socially, so you probably start thinking about it. But whether or not you're in you're the in the environmental space, the climate space, you also have a social story. And if you're in the social space, you inevitably have a climate story. So I was I was talking to so there's a group that I that I um, that I've been mentoring that's in the the refugee education space and employment space. And many of these refugees are climate refugees. The reasons why they're refugees in the first place is because they're not able to live in the countries because there's there are climate crises. Um, you cannot split out these two issues. They are inter interlinked and interconnected. And that's part of that story. And so I think holistic more than anything i mean you touched you just said branding and communications i think more than anything creating more holistic narratives and brands brands i mean we can go that's like a whole other podcast we could talk about the importance or the unimportance of brands but but whatever your brand is everyone has a brand as individual um you have this fantastic podcast and more you have a you have a self-brand and whatever you're working towards you kind of have to brand but being holistic about it, and, and that's something that I think is newer and 
rocky, unknown territory, um, because it almost fundamentally goes against the 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 first rule in branding, which is keep it simple. And it's like, well, how are you supposed to keep it simple if it's like you're bringing in, you know, so many of these sustainable development goals that are interlinked? But I think it has to be that way um, for a a for us to really start solving things in a in a more interconnected partnershipy way but also for people to start understanding and putting puzzle pieces together um, and rally behind you. Yeah. And I'm guessing does that relate to the systems thinking lens where you're kind of looking at the whole system for seeing how that, how your company has an impact on that. Yeah. So spaceship is built all on the, the, the system thinking lens. So you can't, you, you know, for us or for me, even as an ethos in my life, no matter what it is that I've done, what, what issues I've been interested in or what I've worked on or everything has had to connect to a system that I can understand. And to me, what I've realized time and time again, were the entrepreneurs I was working with that were really successful in what they were doing were those who understood the system. That doesn't mean just understanding your industry. I mean, every, you know, everyone knows like, you know, you know, in, in good startup language, in lean startup language, making sure you understand your competitors, you have the competitor landscape, this, that, the other thing. It's not even, it's above and beyond that. That's a, such a linear way of thinking about it. Um, you have to have the depth and the breadth of understanding the system. And that's where things, A, get super creative and interesting for people to really come up with fantastic new innovative ideas and B, it also these these challenges that you're trying to solve for, especially in the climate climate space, they are complex in nature. So you have to understand both both ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, systems thinking to me is like the holy grail of this it being in this space. Yeah, and sort of let's say someone's a beginner at systems thinking as an example. The first yeah. when they hear systems thinking per se, it does sound um, kind of self-explanatory. Technical. In Technical. <laughs> and, and, yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's like, does that mean that you look at all stakeholders, you look at different people that are affected in a different way? Like where, where would someone start? I'm guessing if, if they were looking to get learn more. Yeah. But the best example I can give is when you stub your toe, um, you might get a headache but you stubbed your toe, your toe and your head are very far apart. How does that make any sense? It's part of the same system, your body, your body is the first systems that we start to learn. Well, I, we should learn more about these systems, but, but it's a, it's the first, first system that we're a part of really. So how does it make sense that the toe and the head, you know, like it's, it's because they're interlinked and there's, there's, there's all these nodes of connection. Um, that's the best and most simple way I love speaking about systems because every system kind of operates in the same way. You can have something happening over here that seems technically very, very far from this other thing, but they are so interlinked that if you change something in A, inevitably something will happen in B. Um, and this happens in like our, you know, in our economic systems and, you know, in relationship systems and, you know, something as simple as like, you know, I don't know, I started watching the TV show that my partner liked, let's say, um, that actually could dramatically change parts of our relationship because the system is interconnected that way and communication and this, that, the other thing. So what, what systems thinking is all about is you can find the smallest part of the system to tweak and it could create the largest amount of change and impact that you might have not foreseen. But that so that's really awesome, but that also could happen 
in a negative way. So, so a lot of times we think of systems thinking to mitigate something called externalities, which are things that happen as a byproduct of us wanting to do the right thing. So, you know, I, I, I really want it. So there's this, this story I share with Spaceship all the time, which is, um, you know, th- there, there was a client that I had who wanted to make, what was it? Leggings out of recycled bot- water bottles, um, which is, I mean, a lot of companies are doing this. This is, this is a pretty cool, ingenious way of thinking about, you know, integrating into the circular economy, all of that. But she ended up running out of water bottles to use. So she started creating empty water bottles to use for her legging company. Empty water, like just producing bottles. That makes no sense. Yeah. It, it's in, but she created a business that's based off of, you know, needing recycle water bottles. And once that that has run out, you know, what are you gonna do? And so a negative externality of the system she made was that she had to actually provide herself the raw material at some point. And so that's something she had, um, you know, a negative externality was just this thing. And so, and so the reason why system thing is also important is for us to ensure that we're covering our bases and we're able to kind of preemptively guess what could potentially happen. Um, and isn't that ever so important in the impact space? I mean, that's yeah. like, that's, that's the baseline. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe on a, like a spaceship's own model by itself have you ever seen have there been like specific tweaks that you've made that's had like a dramatic impact per se it's a really good question i don't think i've ever reflected on that before i I think i think one of the things i i do often is maybe like every quarter um is actually just try to map out like what what impact did we set out to create and what impact are we actually having and what does the gap look like and why the gap might be there. That's something that I think every every founder in their own way are doing, right? Like it's like product market fit, but the same, but the same type of frame of mind for the impact. So it's not how many people are buying and why aren't they purchasing, but you know, people might be buying, but they the impact might not be as strong as we wanted it to be. Um, and so I think. I, to answer your question, long story short, no, I haven't. But I, I think it's something that I, I constantly feel a nag in the back of my brain, going, you know, it's 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 something that's ever changing. Systems are are living things, and so it's not like at the beginning I I I I, I covered my bases and I'm good. And so I think it's just one of those habits that are really important to form. Yeah, I think you touched something beautiful there about the what impact did we create and what impact did basically like what were we, what were we intending to happen and what actually happened um, for a founder, let's say they're listening to this and they want to go and implement that in their business. Would you suggest that having quantitative and qualitative kind of ways to measure that makes sense? Or you want to focus more on one over the other, maybe. It's so, it's so, it's so hard because yeah. when you're first starting out, the last thing you have time for is to start measuring your impact. I mean, it's like, it's like, you're thinking about, you're just trying to survive. Like you're just trying to make sure you have enough runway for yourself and your team. Um, however, the hardest thing to do is to backtrack and start measuring what might've happened in the past. And so if you're just at the cusp and you're about to jump into this amazing journey called entrepreneurship in the impact space, the first thing I'd say is once you know what your solution is going to be, 
already decide it'll be, and it doesn't have to be complicated. It can, it can be as simple as like, you know, if it's a food waste app, it's like, okay, every time someone uses it, we should have on the back end a cal- like calculation or running calculation of like how much food each person was putting up and how much food was, was then traded. Let's just say, um, integrate that in because that is gold. That data is gold for you for, for A, to make sure that you're on point with the impact you want to provide to the world, but also you're not, you're not fooling A, your investors, your impact investors and, and your audience, audience, meaning like your partners, et cetera. This is a space where transparency of that kind is, is, is not, it's necessary. It's non-negotiable. And so really being able to know and being able to tell your story with these, these facts are really important. A lot, a lot of us create businesses where you can't have this type of really quantitative data measurement. Um, and, and so really being able to, you're, you're doing it anyway as a founder, you're probably doing all of it as a founder already having conversations one-on-ones, all of this with, with your demographic. So yeah, record that as much as, as much as you can. And the biggest way to do that is just to identify what does success look like? Is success the amount of people who are getting jobs? Is success the amount of families to, who, who exit poverty? What is your success met- metric? And then what are all of the things that you can do to try to make that happen? It's, it's, it's easier said than done. Uh, and that's a lot of the reason why we've built the spaceship as well is because like, where do you start? You're not a big company. You can't hire, you can't, you can't bring in an external consultant and impact measurement. It doesn't make any sense. Um, but it's also done in a very different way. I mean, ESG, environmental social governance standards, you have, you have so many different voices in this space. And a lot of them are built for large companies, large organizations, governments. So it doesn't apply to you. Um, doesn't mean you shouldn't do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was incredible. And I think that was a whole coaching session of systems thinking and how to define your impacts. I, I love that, uh, Flora. Um, I do want to segue from this a little bit more into something that yeah. I want to speak about that, that I was really curious about was sort of your like connecting art and climate change. Um, first yeah. off, like w- what was like, your personal journey, I guess, with the art space and how did that, how did that relate to the climate change space for you? So, so right at the beginning, I talked about like storytelling and how important that was for me. As a background, I used to do, I used to do a lot of theater arts. I was really into that um, before I realized (laughs) this is very, very hard to make that a living. And also, and also it felt a little bit empty. I was also, I was also studying sustainability and human rights at, at the time. So I left that, but it always kind of stayed as like a, as a muse in my life. And first, the first time it really, those two worlds clashed again for me was in 2015, I think it was 2015, 2016. Um, I was living in Malaysia at the time. I was working heavily in the garment factory space. So I was, I was, I was looking at supply chains. I was really trying to, I was trying to lead a movement around, you know, transparency of supply chain. Can we talk about the humans who actually make our clothes? These are not machines. Like we, you know, fast fashion is built off the backs of people. Um, and also obviously a huge environmental environmental piece to that. But I've, I felt like a broken record. I would go around and give talks. I was mentoring startups and saying the same thing over and over again. I was getting tired of my own voice. I met an artist kind of haphazardly uh, ben Von Wong, uh, he's fantastic. If you're in the, if you like photography, or if you've you know probably known him from that space, 
Um, and him and I collaborated um, on, on an art piece that was basically explaining statistics that I kept repeating over and over again. It was an art piece that was able to actually vocalize for me what it was that I was trying to say. These were installations, I'm talking like four story high installations that depicted the amount of water that we use for the fashion industry, the amount of trees that are cut down um, and the amount of CO2 that gets emitted in the air. And all of a sudden, this, so this project went viral online and all of a sudden gave a completely different, it was a Trojan horse in, into, into conversations that I wasn't able to have by just repeating myself, repeating statistics, sending people documents and PDFs. It really was a secret ninja way to get into important conversations about how do we move the needle? Because people like art, it's translatable into every language, doesn't matter where you're from or what you're doing. And the other thing is it's, it's very, very accessible and welcoming to all industries. And so you all of a sudden have this, have this like common, you have this common space yeah. Um, um, and, and it's a common space for discussion. And ever since we then built installations in, in Cairo, um, we built installations in Vietnam and Singapore. Um, we worked with the Singapore government, the National Environment Agency to create installations that talked about how much plastic waste was being used on, on a daily basis at, in their food courts. Um, and, and so this really, when we talk about collaboration, um, I really have seen nothing better for me yeah. than to use the art space as a vehicle for collaboration. And so I collaborate with artists. I try to distill down artists' processes so that others can start, A, collaborating with artists. It, it sounds like a daunting space for a lot of people, especially founders and, and people who are maybe in the impact space in a more um, scientific way. It sounds like a world apart from yeah. the sciences, but it's not. And there are so many different languages that are being used in both spaces. Um, and so, yeah, I've, I've found myself to become this bridge between the impact world being more analytical, someone has, who's been an impact measurement person for most of my life, and the art space. And I, I, yeah, I can't advocate for it enough. Yeah. Do you think that was, yeah, that was beautiful. And do you think that art kind of adds the emotional piece behind it? Because in the end, we're all emotional creatures in our own way that the science maybe does not, maybe I'm completely off here. It depends. It depends what tickles your fancy. Some people can get very emotional looking at a stat that says like, this is the tipping point for our planet. There are some people that can get there. For other people, seeing the turtle with the straw up its nose is the most emotional thing. And then for other people, they need to be surprised. They need something that will completely kind of, it's something, something that they were not expecting, um, be it an experience, um, be it a piece of music. Um, I, I think there's something special that happens when you take two, when you cross pollinate between two spaces, it's the unexpected that's, that's the most, I think that the majority of people will jump jump into and, 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 and have a delightful, it's always delightful, whether it was, and whether it was promoting something that's really awful, like our, like climate, like this climate transition that we're all in, but there's something delightful about discovering it in a new way. That wasn't like, I'm force feeding you this information. I'm, I'm, I'm sending you this call to action to change. I feel like we've, we've entered a period of like 
um, um, I mean, I, I can't, the only word that comes to mind is broken record. It's just, it's just this, it's this era of broken records. And, and I think it's just a delightful new way. I, I, I have to say I've out of, with all the artists I've ever collaborated with, one big common thread was that it's never about trying to manipulate someone to do something. And that's, that's a big, that's a big differentiator when it comes to marketing branding in the climate space and the impact space where it's like a lot of people can sense like there, maybe there was a, maybe there's a slight manipulation and maybe it's the right thing to, you know, to get me to get rid of plastics or to go zero waste or whatever else, but people just don't generally react well to manipulation. And so there's something really nice about like an authentic decision that I'm making because I experienced this new thing and I just, my eyes were open to this new space. Yeah. It's, it's like that, that, that kind of, um, that kind of thinking, I guess, can move on to any kind of industry or wherever you're at. If we tell someone to do something, everyone likes their freedom. They're just going to be like, Hey, F you, I'm not going to do that at all. But yeah. uh, it's like with selling as an example. Like my full-time job, I work at selling. And the second you tell someone to do something, they they kind of lean back and they're like, yep, I'm not going to do this. But if you kind of help them make their own decisions and you're just kind of a guide along the way, which an artist is as an example, you're you're a guide along a person's path of their own climate change journey. The impact can be like tenfold as an example. Yeah. And it doesn't, and doesn't mean that there aren't, I mean, I'm sure a bunch of people listening to this are like, we don't have time. Like we, we gotta like, like this is an emergency and yeah. I'm in full agreement. And that's why I think the, the partnerships angle is really important because the nonprofits who are pushing the agenda hard and doing the groundwork, they need to, they're the right, they're the partners that need to partner with the artists that are able to maybe take what it is that they're doing and translate it into a way that's a more approachable or more digestible. Like when we talked about, you know, the system, like, is there a part of the system where we can maybe tackle it a bit differently than, than, than your common, you know, your campaigns and, you know, everything that, everything that this nonprofit might be doing. So I think it's, it's, it's not to say in, it's instead of you know, all of this hard, very concrete work that needs to happen, but I think it's an amplifier, it's a bridge, it's a communication device, um, it's an inspirer, you know, it's, it's, some, it's just a new way to light a match. Yeah. And maybe pulling it back to like, what is your definition of an artist, I guess? Because like, I mean, there's different differing opinions of it. Some people would say art just means as an example, our contemporary way or or our normal way that we think of art. Some might say a piece of content is art. So there's like loose terms to it as an example. So where where would you say that you fall on that kind of spectrum? It's actually really great that you're asking me to define that because because so I, I really feel like there's art with a capital A and that's probably what you pay to go see in a museum. Um, then there's art with a smaller A and that's I'm pretty sure every single person I've ever met on the planet, including yourself, because when you put out podcasts, the way in which you edit them, the transitions, that's that's art. Like you said, writing it, <laughs> writing an article on Medium or on LinkedIn. Um, I think I think it's one of these things that we're shy to appropriate in terms of a term um, because it comes with a lot of baggage. Uh, like, do I need to wear a beret? <laughs> do I need to, you know, all those, all those things. Um, but jokes aside, like, I really, I really think being, 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 an, being an artist is to be able to translate something. I mean, usually, you know, if you think of just like, I'm going to translate this tableau into a painting, I'm going to take this, 
this whatever piece of clay and make something out of it. Or I'm going to take this blank page and I'm going to write something on it. Or you're taking this like blank, like recording space and now you're putting my voice on it. And I'm sure it's going to sound even like way better than what I'm sounding right now. So, so I think there's this, just this space of transformation. So, yeah, I think, I think anyone who's listening to this, you can consider yourself an artist. Yeah. yeah animals too. Animals, animals can be great artists. Amazing. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. No, Cause I, I, one of my friends and he's, he's an actual art, like artist with an A per se, but um, he's a, okay. yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, when we were talking about it and he's like, yeah, you're an artist as well. Cause you're a podcaster. And I was like, how does that make any sense? And he broke it down for me. And then it made sense, you know, um, which is why I wanted to ask that, like, where, where does that, that definition of artist kind of end off? You know? It's kind of like, so the word genius is, 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 is it, I like referring to this example. Cause when I, when I first, I, I learned this last year that the word genius is actually just, it's, it's not a noun, it's an adjective. So it's like, you, you can be genius in this moment. It doesn't mean that the next moment you'll be genius. It just means in this moment, you're genius. And I think the same, the same applies for me in terms of artists, like in this moment, maybe in this moment, I'm an artist, but I feel like there are definitely other moments where I really am like, I am artistic. I am channeling that. Um, and that doesn't have to be always, but I think when I, when I, when I speak, especially if we're talking about entrepreneurship, you know, uh, there has never been a founder that I've met that I haven't considered an artist in their own right. Um, and, and I think at even the artists I collaborate with, most of them have a hard time considering themselves an artist with a capital A, even though they get paid for their work, you can go see it on exhibit. Like they're like what you would think as artists. I just think it has to be this transient word and, and, and for us to be a little bit less afraid of using it because if we were just a little bit more artistic about the work that we all do, um, especially those of us who are really motivated to create change in the world. Oh my gosh, the amount of things we can build and create and develop. And um, yeah, creativity is what's, what's great about it is it's a, it's a renewable resource. So, so, so we should, we don't have to worry about depleting. Let's just keep, let's just keep using it. Yeah. I think that's the quote of the podcast. Creativity is your renewable resource. I love that. I love that. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, and I'm guessing whether you're um, an entrepreneur, whether you're um, a founder, whatever kind of space you kind of uh, classify yourself into, there can also be blocks, something as simple as like writer's block. I want to be, I want to show up and be an artist today. I want to write this article on climate tech as an example, but there's blocks in place that stop me from being that artist today. Um, have you found anything that kind of helps to kind of stop those blocks or at least get over them maybe as an artist? I, I called the spaceship the spaceship because of Buckminster Fuller, who's a systems thinker. He's an artist, but he's also an architect and he's also a scientist. And he's also, he's a polymath, he's like everything. And one of the things that he, a term that he coined was cross like cross-pollination, like was, was a word he used a lot in his writings, in his teachings. Um, and he talked about the beauty of like, when you take two different systems and like you're able to, when you take something from one system and you bring it to the next, you're leaving, you're leaving parts of it to, 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 to fester, develop and, and bloom into something amazing. And to me to get out of block, it's not a surefire way, but I know time and time again, when I put myself in scenarios, whether it's entering a webinar, meeting somebody online, uh, reading a book that is so far from the problem I'm trying to, I'm 
trying so hard to solve, whether it's writing this paper or figuring out a solution to, to, to create, creating a solution for my business or whatever else, um, there's something amazing that happens in cross-pollination. We can't avoid cross-pollination. It just happens. Like if you're reading something that has to do with, I don't know, um, AI, you will inevitably find some kind of seed blooming in your brain after you've explored that topic in whatever way you're exploring it through a movie or whatever else that will leave you in a better place wherever you felt blocked. So I, I can't, you know, individuals who are like, oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an expert in this space and I'm working in this space and I'm so fully enveloped in this space. I think there's, there's, there's real value to taking time out of your day or your week to see what what other spaces you don't have to be interested in them but where else can you bring in a thought a methodology a a, a frame of mind um yeah because it's it's there's 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 nothing more awesome than crossing over to unexpected spaces yeah it's just brilliant yeah that, that's really interesting and um as an example actually thinking about that i was reading a book on how to be a better coach sort of on a coaching or a consultant per se. Yeah. And there were impacts on that book that I had on my personal relationships, which was really weird, very different things. Cause that was a professional thing. This is a personal thing, Yeah, but it's like when you kind of dive into something completely different, it can have impacts on other parts of your professional slash personal life as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so tell me like, where are you, are you, are you more, are you feeling like the impact that's had in your personal relationship is even greater maybe than it's had on your professional one at this point. Yeah. 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 So just like in the coaching book as an example, the whole idea is not to be a coach, but it's like to be kind of a, a better listener or a leader in your own aspect. And I've been able to be a better listener, let's say to family relationships, friends, whatever. And then yeah. that's had a knock on positive effect because the positive effect with personal relationships it's just tenfold. We all know that. So it's, it's been yeah. incredible in its own practice. Cause I always thought I came in with the implementation of thinking this is going to be a pro very professional thing. We're going to benefit in this angle. And then I look this way and I'm like, wait a second, what's happening over here as an example, you know? Yeah. What, what's happening in the whole system of Devesh? Like what, what, like, where is your brain going? Yeah. yeah. I love that. So, I mean, yeah, love that and completely agree. Um, one thing I do like to ask, ask all, this, all the guests that do come on is a lot of our listeners are in that younger age group between 18 to 30 years old. Uh, so they're either starting their journey or they're a couple of years in that journey. Um, so maybe let's take yourself back to, let's say you're 22, you want to have an impact. You kind of I have- I am 22. There we go. <laughs> there we go. There we go. So let's say you're- For this moment. For this moment. Let's, for, let's say you're 18. How about that? You know? Love it. I love that even better. <laughs> Um, kind of 18, you're, you're at that stage where you want to have an impact, but you kind of haven't charted that path for yourself. And I can personally relate with that. A lot of us in this age group are quite lost. We want to have a positive impact, but we have no idea how that looks like. Maybe what would you suggest to them to kind of at least chart out for themselves, uh, starting at least of that journey? Yeah. yeah. I think the big, the biggest, the worst thing you can do is try to come up with an idea. Don't come up with an idea because ideas are cheap. Ideas are going to constantly change. You might wake up next week and be like, that was the worst idea in the world. Why did I spend all this time and, and energy thinking about this idea? Don't do that yet. If you're at the starting points and you want to enter this space where you're just, you're really motivated by something, 
um, fall in love with the problem, identify what problem you can, you could be really into climate, but what problem in the climate space specifically and fall in love. When I say fall in love, I mean, like you, you are the type of person now at every dinner party you go to that everyone's going to go, Oh, you invited that person again. They're going to talk about this. <laughs> be that person, be that person. Be the person who cannot shut up about the problem that you're so in love with because you are trying to examine it from every angle. Just like you're buying a new car. Like you want to look under the hood. You want to, you want to know everything you can about this problem because that's when the ideas that make the most sense that have the most potential for success will will emerge. Oftentimes we think we, we know what problem we're trying to solve. I want to solve the single use plastic problem. Okay. And then you delve right into solution building. I could do this. I could build this app. I can build this community. I'm going to do that, this, that, the other thing. And possibly 90% of those ideas are garbage because the real problem might not have been single use plastics. It might've been people's behavior about single-use plastics. And that part of the puzzle changes everything because you might've had a great idea, but that no one's actually gonna use because the plastic single-use plastics problem is not a problem, it's the behavior about it's problem. And so creating a behavior change app is very different than creating like a how to recycle better, let's say, app. So falling in love with that problem and spend, and it's not time wasted because problems like that are insidious they they are systemic they have been there for some time and so they probably won't change very much over the next six months to a year yeah. and so you can spend that you can spend your time really delving in your ideas will for sure change over six months to a year and that's actually an okay thing pivoting is is super healthy but don't start with a pivot start with a really knowing this landscape talk to everyone you know who's part of that system Talk to, I mean, stalk people on LinkedIn, connect with them and just connect with them so that you find out everything their brain knows about that thing. Position it as research. Nobody wants to get a LinkedIn message that says, hi, can I spend some time to pitch my idea about how to solve plastic waste? Nobody wants to listen to you, but everyone wants to talk to you if you're like, I'm in love with this space and I want to know everything you know about this problem. Yeah. Okay. That, that I can engage with. Right. So be be a journalist be yeah. be a journalist in every sense of the word yeah yeah or start a podcast that also works out to get connected. start a podcast <laughs> that's exactly it right you yeah. did that yeah. that that's a brilliant way to get started yeah like i i just thought to myself i'm like hey so i could either reach out to 15 entrepreneurs um and try to pick their brain per se or i could pick their brain but then also record those conversations and then they benefit because they get pr for their companies I benefit because I get a get knowledge, and the third, the other part of the system that benefits is the actual listener in the end. So, there we go. Right. Yeah. But you you map that you you have win triple win like that's 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 the best that's the best type of win. So yeah, definitely everyone start a podcast. <laughs> I'm actually writing a LinkedIn post about that right now. But anyways, yeah. Um, amazing. Uh, but yeah, Lord, this is amazing. We go on and on, but of course we're on the time crunch. Um, just wanted to say thank you, thank you, thank you so much, first of all, for coming on the podcast, for all the wisdom you imparted. The first part, especially focused on um, sort of systems thinking and that, that whole part was amazing. And then also taking that to the art space, incredible. Secondly, would also love if you could tell us where our listeners could find you. Definitely. If you're, yeah. if you're interested in seeing my work specifically, laurafrancois.com, you can check all of that out or on LinkedIn, laurafrancois, but the spaceship, definitely go to the spaceship.org. Um, and you can check out, yeah, all, all the projects and, 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 and learning modules we have running on. 
Amazing. Again, Laura, this is amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to the Climate Change Preneurs Podcast. Really, really hope you enjoyed that episode. Now, I personally always love hearing back from listeners, whether that's feedback or general comments. So feel free to connect uh, across with me on LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn at Devesh Tilokani, D-E-V-E-S-H-T-I-L-O-K-A-N-I. Please let me know if I can help out anyway, whether that's something as simple as connecting you across with a guest you're interested in connecting with or feedback or in any other way possible. Again, thank you so much for listening and keep killing it in your climate change journey.